Welcome to the 78th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Rachel Henderson and Anton Patak are launching their farming operation from afar. The 2009 graduates of the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings Program have recently purchased 20 acres of farmland in western Wisconsin, some 80 miles from their home in northeast Minneapolis. Both Anton and Rachel have full-time jobs in the Twin Cities, but during the past year or so, they've been working their land on weekends and during vacations to prepare it for the day when they become full-time farmers. So far, the 30-something couple has planted a variety of fruit trees, including apples, pears, cherries, plums, and apricots. They've also established other perennials, such as currants, grapes, rhubarb, and asparagus. The idea is to get a type of permaculture system set up, one that does not have to be intensely managed on a daily basis, at least for now. Many of the trees should be producing fruit consistently in the next five years or so. By that time, Rachel and Anton hope to be living on the land full-time. They are spending the intervening years setting up the farm by establishing outbuildings, fencing, and other structures, including a house. Rachel and Anton are also spending this time researching markets for fruit and other products in the area and figuring out what types of equipment they will need once the farm is running full bore. The couple's hope is that by the time they are on the land full-time, they will have their real estate loan almost paid off and can start utilizing the income from their fruit trees and other plants to support themselves and the farm. It's a strategy that is somewhat low-risk, since they aren't taking on huge amounts of farm infrastructure debt right off the bat. But Anton and Rachel concede they are also struggling with some major unknowns, such as what kind of market there will be for their products five years down the road. Such a strategy requires a lot of goal-setting and financial planning. I recently visited the couple's farms. They did some weekend tree planting. They took a break to talk about how Farm Beginnings has helped them set goals and plan things out years in advance. Anton and Rachel also talked about some of the challenges they face launching a farming operation as absentee landowners. When we, when we started looking at, at farms, I think we had lots of different ideas floating around in our heads about what we might like to do when we were visiting CSA farms and um, pig farms and all kinds of different things and thinking about different things. And I think as we started really um, realistically looking at our you know, five-year goals, three-year goals, middle-term middle, middle term goals, um, I think that fruit trees just became um, the logical starting point for us. And I, it's something that we're interested in and passionate about and excited about. Yeah, I echo that. We just It seemed to be the thing that we could start that would make sense with where we're at in our transition plan. And uh, and since then, we've actually we've met a lot of fruit growers, and they're all fairly happy people, and they're all really pretty friendly and helpful. And we've uh, we've met a really great uh, community of people, actually. So met some makes made some good friends out of our uh, you know just asking questions and yeah. seeing who else can help us out with their knowledge, and it's been really fun. One of the things I know that Farm Beginnings does it really stresses goal setting, kind of looking at not just kind of plunging into it and saying, well, we're going to farm, plain and simple, but setting up goals. Well, what do you want to do with this land? Where do you want it to be in five years, in 10 years? What are your economic quality of life goals? Was that something that was important for you guys, just to kind of set up goals before you went in? Definitely. And I'll say that, I mean, I found the the goal-setting process in Farm Beginnings, for me, um, to be very intuitive. And I think maybe be, partly because we don't come from a farming background or because we didn't have a lot of expectations about what farming would look like, I think we were maybe a little bit, uh, I don't know, I, 
it seemed easy for us to approach this from a quality of life or holistic goal frame of mind, um, if that makes any sense. But uh, yeah, I think that was, it was really, really valuable to be um, kind of forced to write that stuff down and really talk about it, um, be honest with ourselves and to be talking about it with each other. I think that was one of the most valuable parts of Farm Beginnings, but definitely embrace that. I, yeah, I just, uh, you know, looking at five-year horizon seemed to be a really valuable tool for us. I think it was a lot easier to wrap our hands around that than it was to uh, think about what we were going to look like in a year or two. That was just kind of nice to figure, you know, well, let's, you know, these are the preliminary steps we have to do to kind of like, uh, you know, get to at least, you know, this one facet of what we're going to do um, kind of in place in, in five years. But yeah, very helpful. One thing that was challenging about us for Farm Beginnings is I think there were, you know, um, there's so much of what's in the curriculum that's that's really universal, and then there's some things where, you know, I don't think that they had a, we, a lot of fruit growers, and so we kept getting in the marketing and in the financial planning, um, you know, aspects. They kept saying, don't plant anything until you've sold it, which was uh, hard for us to parse out what to do with that advice um, because we obviously couldn't sell apples for um, 2014, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> we're not, we haven't found out who has, who's buying them seven years in the future. But um, we do, so it's, it's, there's a little bit of, of both here. There's a little bit of a risk and a gamble that what we're planting is going to be marketable. I mean, we've tried to do as much research as we can to um, know what varieties, and um, we've done quite a bit of thinking about marketing strategies, and we've done a lot of, you know, networking and communicating with, with people and we, we feel good about our marketing plan, but it's not the same as having, um, you know, your CSA shares sold or your half cow sold. I mean, it's, it's, there's and more risk. Seed, seed order or ordering livestock. Right, exactly. Like it's not, we're not making our seed order based on what we know we're going to sell. We're making our seed order based on what we want to grow and what we think we can sell and, you know, what growing, yeah, you know, maturity times and all kinds of different aspects. But I think for us, there's, Especially doing a diverse mix of fruit, there's a little bit of, uh, of <laughs> there's there's a scarcity of, of, of knowledge on that. There's a scarcity of research. There's a scarcity of, of people to consult on that um, to some extent. So we are taking on some risk there, I think. Maybe you could say uh, business planning for the diversified perennials is yeah. nebulous at best. Good. Yeah, it's, it's just a very <laughs> tough thing to wrap your arms around. But, you know... We're, we every year we kind of take another stab at it, and uh, you know we've got a enterprise budget that goes out ten years, and we're trying to make uh, assumptions in there that seem reasonable and and stuff, and we'll just kind of see how it all plays out. But and we are trying to have you know do some networking and have some conversations with who we think could be prospective our prospective market, and trying to get a sense of what people want and and that kind of thing. But again, like I said, it's not the same as having a, a share sold. And another nice thing about the perennials, too, is a lot of them kind of ramp up production uh, gradually, you know, especially with certain apples on on kind of your, you know, I'll just take an example of like your semi-dwarf apple, kind of a tree that's 10 to 12 feet high. It, it starts production maybe in year three, and you get a little bit more every year. And then by the year 10, you're full rolling, maybe eight, you know, you're eight to 10, you're, you're full production, but you kind of have this increase that's kind of gradual over the course of those other years. And so you're kind of, each year you can kind of take on a little bit more. And, and with each crop, you know, there's, there's some risk going from, you know, depending on when you get the frosts and, and that's just kind of one of the reasons why we're trying to be diversified and 
spread out the risk over a whole bunch of different things. As you've gotten started and actually gone through the reality of getting started, a farm started, as opposed to sitting in class or going to other farms or dreaming about it, what's been the biggest surprise, I guess, either unpleasant or pleasant surprise that you guys maybe have run up against? Let's see. Organizationally, it's really tough living in one place and doing all your work in another one because you can leave some stuff here but there's always something you forget and a lot of miles in the car and then you know there's always things that you forget and then you need to run into town and we spend a lot more time in our cars now obviously um it's just a necessary thing uh, you can't just jump on your bike and run to the store i don't know and you know i maybe didn't you know anticipate you know the depth of that before kind of getting into this but there's you know, learning to live with it. And I think also it just kind of indicates, um, you know, maybe the transition plan is going to be shortened a little bit. And we're going to hope try to get out here a little bit earlier maybe than we were initially thinking just to kind of cut out some of that, that stuff, you know, just like be out here, you know, not have to worry about forgetting things or running to get something we forgot and just being able to spend more time actually doing stuff rather than planning during the week what we're going to take out and what things we forgot to do, and organizationally, it's a challenge. I'll add something to that, and I think that goes along with that challenge is that, and I, for me, you know, being in the city, there's a little bit of out of sight, out of mind, like uh, that goes on. Which, even though you know, I'm thinking about the farm and planning for the weekend, and Anton's much better about this than I am, but I get wrapped up in my week and have a hard time doing what I know we need to do to get up, you know, before the weekend or what can be done from the city. And so there's the, you know, I think once being out here, it's easy to to think about what you have to get done and be aware of the challenges and be aware of what you need. Um, but when you're not, when you're not there, it's easy for it to get lost in the shuffle. The, this is the reason that we're doing this in the first place. But I think that one thing last summer that I was aware of was just how, much I love being here and how much energy I get from being here. Um, you know, there were definitely weeks last summer where I'd be, you know, working all Monday through Friday in the city and thinking, God, we have so much to do and not, not feeling that energy and then getting out here on Friday afternoon or Saturday morning or whenever it was and just really feeling this over, overwhelming sense of well-being, like just excited and motivated and, and happy. And so that's definitely, as we've gotten started, the surprise, the pleasant surprise is how, how, much it's how easy it is to work hard and get all of this stuff done when we just feel good about being here. For more on Farm Beginnings, see www.farmbeginnings.org. That's www.farmbeginnings.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.